0: This is the Leapcast, where we talk about how today's current events impact your real life. If you are tired of politics or you are just exhausted from the spin, this show is for you. My name is Andrew Lieb, and every week I host a talk radio show breaking down the news from an independent point of view. We discuss real estate, business, and your health. Hear from the experts and learn the truth on the Leapcast.
1: Personal coach
0: and trusted attorney, Andrew Lieb. Happy springtime. I am super duper pumped. Do you know that I even have a flower? Oh seriously, on one of my bushes outside my house. Like everything, the leaves are all dead, but there's one little purple flower going on right now. That's the
1: best flower of the year.
0: I am super excited. I thought about picking it and putting it like in a vase. But anyway, this is the Leapcast. Welcome to the Leapcast. I got Lauren Leap. Hello. I'm Andrew Lieb, and we got the Chazaka, Mordecai Yankovic on with us. We have such Happy an, spring. Happy spring it is. We have such an important topic to go about, and we're going to be talking about tenant on tenant discrimination and a landlord's liability about that. But I'm going to tell you why I'm thinking about it first. I just want to tell you, it's been a rough market these days as a landlord there was an article that I read today, actually, about how many residential tenants in New York City owe money. It was like billions of dollars in rent. But as an office landlord, I have an office building. I'm thinking to myself, like the vacancy, vacancy, vacancy. And Lauren and I, we've been sprucing up the building. We actually have really good news um, from the Liebcast, Morty. I don't know if I told you, but we're building a new studio. For our radio show, we don't use the RCN studio at MacArthur Airport, like for the radio station, because apparently they won't validate your parking. So,
1: yeah, a radio station at an airport, come on. Well, Who wants it's to fine. go to an airport well, anyway.
0: That's true. In the middle of the pandemic, not appealing. So, we built our own studio, but it's not big enough. So, we're in the middle of redoing a lot of the building. And we have tenants in this building and we're putting a new studio soundproof in the basement. It's really kind of cool. And we've been building this whole thing out. But it all started, Lauren, with a little paint.
1: Yes. So I always say it's a Pandora's box when you decide to do one thing because all of a sudden one thing can turn into two things, which turn into three things. And I can go on and on about those things. But we had this wallpaper.
0: Yeah, it was gross. More, <laughs> did you remember the wallpaper?
2: I do. I've, I've, I've ventured up there a few times.
0: It, what was it, like 1970s straight out? Uh,
2: 1960s maybe.
1: Ha! <laughs> it had these pieces hanging off. and you just
0: Well, that's important you say that. It was like the glue was so old. It was all cracking. And this is a nice office building. And I, I used to walk around, I don't know if I told you, Lauren, with my own glue, not yeah, with a contractor. Surprised. And I would glue it back together. And then one day someone told me they knew this great painter. And I was going to do the paint. And then, Morty, what happens when you get rid of the wallpaper? Like, come on.
2: You have other issues with the way it. it you have all these defects in the walls. And they tell you you need a skim coat.
0: I hate that.
1: Well, before the skim coat, <laughs> you have to have this really smelly oil. And you put the oil on the walls. And then in a building where people are trying to work, nobody could work because it smells.
0: So we start doing this thing, and the next thing you know we're replacing windows, replacing the floor, replacing the ceiling, replacing the the lighting, replacing the air conditioner ducts on the air conditioner in heating system we just replaced like it we're we're renovating floors. units r- removing walls i said floors that was yeah. one of my things, so I'm thinking to myself, we're going to get tenants because i I don't know if you saw. But there was an article in Globe Street that said office demand is back. I haven't seen it yet, although we do have a showing. And so maybe that's something that will happen. But then I've been tracking this case because there's this very important case, Lauren, that shocked the rental world, shocked the landlord world, shocked the brokerage world, shocked me. It's called Francis v. Kings Park Manor. And I first got interested because Kings Park's right near our office building. I think yeah, about our neighbor. I think they have this great restaurant called Simply Greek. There, Morty, it's so delicious, and it's right on the train station. And I, am simply Greek when I go there. It's just so, so, so good. They have the, the, the. You know when you go to a restaurant, Morty. And they they don't just put out bread; they put out like a little appetizer as a start yop oh, thing. yeah, I love that. They have this chickpea but, uh, thing. something something some, something to put on the bread. No, like a, a, it's a, they give you like a salad just when you're waiting a chickpea salad. It's so good. That's what I think about with Kings Park. Cool. So we're, we're going to have to do this one of these days. So here's the thing: Francis for Kings Park Manor was a case that first was in the Eastern District of New York. That's a federal court. Then there was an appeal, then the appellate panel then the appellate panel reversed itself, and then there was an N Bank decision of the entire Second Circuit. Second Circuit, just so you know, Second Circuit Court of Appeals federally is a very important court. Morty can you just Morty Lauren's making faces at me? I mean, I
1: feel like it seems big.
0: What, what does that mean? Just break it down, what, what, how, how important this is. Like I'm imagining these lawyers got paid so much money by the time they had one case, one appeal, two appeal, three appeal. And this was just on a motion yeah. to dismiss. They didn't even get to the substance of the case.
2: Yeah, they're even at the merits yet. Yeah, so they went to a f- a f- the federal district court. And then after the federal district court, it was appealed to the Second Circuit um, which is a very, as you mentioned, a very prominent uh, court of appeals, and the next step would be the Supreme Court. Um, but what happened at the uh, the Second Circuit is the decision was appealed um, to go, and you said, en bank. I like to say, en banc, en banc. Uh, which means bench. <laughs> which means bench. So what that what that means is the federal all all the judges. Um, in the Second Circuit, you mentioned before, Andrew, is a panel decision. A panel decision means they randomly pick uh, three judges to hear particular cases. But then if it's appealed to go en banc, what happens is all the judges in the Second Circuit vote if the entire panel of judges should hear this case. And if a majority of the judges vote to hear the case en banc, then they hear it en banc. And here it was heard on banc. Um, and you were just getting to the decision.
0: Before I even get there, when you keep saying en banc, and I say en bank," <laughs> what I think is funny is I, I was actually consulting with a, a major client this week. They are a company going to go public. They're number two in their category. And I was talking to one of the big players at this company about me doing discrimination trainings for them, which is kind of interesting that we're talking about a discrimination uh, a case and the guy says to me and it's just funny that you bring this up he goes I was pitching you to do it nationally but then I said to them maybe you, we just want you to do New York because you're one of these New Yorkers like like you know how Trump spoke a certain way as a New Yorker I say it in bank like a New Yorker would say <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself if I want this national contract I have to speak more like Morty so we're going to have to practice on bonk on bonk
2: it just sounds prettier doesn't it
0: I think I'll get the National contract now, Morty. I don't want just the regional <laughs> Sounds one. It's international. So, anyway, uh, here's what's so interesting about this case and why it goes to me doing renovations as a landlord and why every landlord should know about this and why the Bryn Elliott team at Douglas Elliman Real Estate is underwriting this segment and why they're supporting us getting the word out about this. Because for a while there, for a while there until this own bank decision, Ooh, that was good. You like that? Yeah. Before this on bonk decision, one more time. On okay. bonk decision. Stop. Before that, we thought based on the case law, based on the panel that a landlord was liable for tenant on tenant race discrimination. So here's what happened in the case. Let's break you down. There is this apartment complex. Okay? And the next-door neighbor engaged in this relentless campaign of racial and religious harassment, abuse, to threats. To the other tenant. To the other tenant. He used words I can't even say on the radio. Like, we're going to get fined if I say some of these things. Ethan, I can't say the right word. N-word, I can't say the right word. Then he called them effin' Jews they talked about. He repeatedly used the N-word. He threatened to kill them. He called him a black bastard. Like he used terrible, ter- he kept doing it. He, he he did it so much that the guy, the plaintiff that brought this case, the guy, three certified letters to the landlord. The guy called the police. The hate crimes unit got involved. There was an arrest. It got such a big deal. This the, the harasser, the bad guy next door, he was trying to take pictures of the place. It was a huge thing. But here's what the landlord did. The landlord didn't get involved. He ignored it. He actually told, when I say he, it's a, a company, but he, he, mm-hmm. the company, told their their personnel there, don't get involved. And so what Francis, this plaintiff, does is he sues and he goes, you tolerated, you facilitated this hostile environment against me. And I want to tell you what the en banc court said. This case, I'm quoting, case raises questions of exceptional importance because the panel's ruling, if undisturbed, would significantly expand landlord liability with a probable result of fundamentally restructuring the landlord-tenant relationship. It's in my entire career I want you to know, I've never seen a circuit court, a a appellate court in the federal world, I've never seen them say, this case is exceptionally important and it's going to fundamentally restructure an industry. Wow. Like I thought that was- That's
1: a really big deal.
0: Like a really, really big deal. Like, yes, Lauren, uh, uh, honestly, we we like to tell everyone what's going on. I could have come on today and said, They're revoking nursing home immunity, and there's going to be now medical malpractice lawsuits about nursing home immunity in New York State again. We could have said about how they took away Cuomo's powers. We could talk about how they're negotiating the state budget or marijuana legislation. They finally have a deal and it's going to pass in New York State. There's so many things we could have talked about. The Assembly passed unemployment insurance for parents that were forced to leave work to care for their children.
1: I feel like I need to rewind what you just said. That was so many things. I'm
0: telling you, there's so many topics we could have talked about today. I, I'll do it again for you. Well,
1: we always say that we want people in the writer's room. This is when we were developing what we we're going to talk about today. This was part of the writer's room of there is a lot going on right now. There's
0: so much. go. There's, Lauren, let's just take a moment. Stop talking. Stop being excited. Morty, don't say a word. I'm not either. We could have a moment of silence for the people in Atlanta and Colorado. We could talk about how the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals says there's no right to carry either openly or concealed in public. We could talk about legislation about gun safety. I could have got into that some people are saying, well, the Second Amendment was written when they had guns that took a reload of a minute, not assault rifles. That's on one side. And forgetting the whole side of a well-regulated militia, which is actually what it says there. Haven't seen no militias. And then we could have said on the other side that you're not using a quill pen. You're using an email and you're using a Facebook to comment about my Second Amendment rights. We could have got into the debate about guns. And that's a debate. Woo-hoo! But you know what? That's like
1: the real debate, though, that people wanted to hear last year that besides when all the COVID stuff happened, the traditional Republican versus Democrat debate. And
0: we don't do that. The Leapcast doesn't do that. We get out of those debates. Morty, Lauren, myself, we have some policy positions. And we are going to work on these policy positions because we think that you care about these policy positions. I'm going to tell you the two we have so far. Ready? The elimination of lip service laws
1: <laughs>
0: isn't that one of the more. I mean,
1: I honestly feel like seventy-five percent of what happens is just for lip service.
0: They don't enforce. I think
2: that's been that's been an over that's been an overriding theme of this radio show for the past couple <laughs> months.
0: We believe that if they don't enforce a law publicly, privately, meaning a a government action, even a right of private action, for five years, that law should automatically go away. There's so many laws that cloud the arsenal of the world. Then we got another policy. We have some policies, at the Leapcast Policy number two, the Uniform Definition Act. We We support the Uniform Definition Act. What does that mean? The same word shouldn't be defined differently throughout different parts of legislation, like the word employer, the word employee. There should just be one definition. You shouldn't have to find Waldo.
1: Well, I think some people might be saying nerd alert right now, but that's because these technicalities make things not make sense when you're trying to implement laws. When when words that are used from one law to a statute to all these different, the human rights, the hu- every single thing is different and interpreted differently. How are you supposed to essentially use that? In-
0: well, here's our platform. You shouldn't have to be a nerd to know what the law is. That's yeah, our platform.
1: should be just a general education.
0: Everyone's so interested in knowing their rules of their religion because it's easier to learn, I think. And I'm not saying I'll it's wrong like- to learn your religion. You should definitely learn your religious rules. But I'm saying you shouldn't need to have a secret decoder ring to understand what the word employer and employee versus independent contractor means.
1: And it's not even the decoder ring. It's that scholars debate the terms that are used instead of actually. Just- yeah.
0: Well, they do that in religion too, but the and difference is there's one definition there.
1: Yeah, Morty, what are you saying?
2: And also the difference is also the difference is um, someone can owe thousands upon thousands of dollars based on the definition of employer or employee. So yeah. the fact that you have to go searching and be a nerd to figure out. Where uh, what an employer means in this statute versus a different statute. I mean, I I, I just don't think that's the right way to go.
0: Which is a good segue back to the Francis versus Kings Park Manor case. I'm going to tell you why. In this case now, the Umbank court, they found, and this is important. That was
2: good. You had had a little umph that time.
0: I'm trying to be more like the Chazaka here. So here's what they found. A landlord in New York State, it's important to say New York State because they analyzed it under the backdrop of New York State. A landlord in New York State of residential property, because that's where they analyze the case, is not liable, absent extraordinary circumstances, that's what they use the word, extraordinary circumstances, for tenant-on-tenant discrimination. That's a major thing, but I'm going to tell you why that goes to different statutes. They made a point to say that in the employment situation, an employer can be liable for employee on employee harassment and discrimination. So I just want to give that to you again. Again, what is our message? We want consistency. What did we just learn? In the employment world, an employer can be liable for one employee discriminating against another employee, and they often are, but. In housing, a landlord is not liable for tenant on tenant discrimination. Morty, make sense of this for us.
1: Well, hold on. Tenants don't work for the landlord.
0: Yes, yeah, so I, I would I would say in the employment context,
2: an employee is an agent of the employer, and there's still certain. It's, a, it's another fancy term called "respondiat superior," meaning the employer He's being uh, being liable for actions of people that are their inferiors or, or their employees. And if the employer knew or should have known that their employee, who is an agent, um, is uh, harassing or discriminating against another employee, they could very well be liable. But here in the uh, landlord. Um, tenant context, like you said, Lauren, there's no agency connection. These are tenants, they're just renting apartments um, from the from the landlord.
1: Can you imagine if a tenant was like, Okay, I'm gonna live in I'm gonna look at this building, oh no, I can't look at that building because the landlord's gonna tell me what I can and cannot say.
0: And what's interesting, Lauren, it's not only if the landlord, and they say in the decision, it's 83 pages long, this, this decision, including uh, their amicus stuff and including their dissents and all this. There was two dis- partial concurrence, partial dissents. doesn't matter. It'll but in this 83-page in this decision, in this 83-page decision, they actually go there with what you're saying, Lauren. And I, I, I'm just fascinated by it. I'm going to tell you why I'm fascinated by it. It says it's not. Just, it's not just what the rules are. Can the landlord do this? It's that the landlord's only power over you is to evict, to do a summary proceeding, to bring a landlord tenant action. And they, that's why I said the backtrap of New York law. That's what they said. In New York, that's what they said. The only thing the landlord could do is potentially start an eviction. All by there's all this eviction moratoriums, but assuming there wasn't, the only thing they could, they can't punish you, they can't do anything, they can't be like Lauren, you can't use the pool now, Lauren, you can't walk <laughs> on this path, You're
1: suspended from getting mail,
0: and that's a very very important thing because they said there was no extraordinary power over the tenants' pled, so it's theoretically there no, there's possible no control no control. It's theoretically possible, Lauren, that you could have a lease that has that extraordinary power. And like Lauren said, she wouldn't live there.
1: I mean, what about all the co-op, all the co-op rules and the condo rules? Can you just say, you, if you're going to live in this building, you cannot subject somebody on your floor to certain language?
0: It's interesting you say that. Again, what is the penalty in co-ops and condos? It's a monetary fine. What's the penalty? It usually is $100 the first fine or a warning the first time, $500 the next one, $1,000 the next one, and then they can do liens and sue you for it But or foreclose even. But there's no restriction. So I want to differentiate because this was a big deal.
1: Well, I'm just thinking about a new business model. Go to a very racist area open housing, put in your bylaws that you cannot be racist to other people and put all these fines there and you can make a huge living.
0: I want to tell you, though, there's actually cases about targeting opening businesses in different areas based on their demographic makeup is discriminatory in the first place. There's cases going on right now against brokerage companies of why they open up in rich neighborhoods and don't open up in poor neighborhoods.
1: Oh, I saw that.
0: So that might become an issue in the first place, but just on wine. And to what you're saying when you bring into co-ops, there's another extreme. The Seventh Circuit in 2018, like we're in the Second Circuit now, another okay. court of appeals, in a case called Wetzel v. Glenn St. Andrew Living Community. Different results. They recognize that the landlord could be liable on deliberate indifference for discrimination in the Fair Housing Act. Why? because it was a community for senior citizens. They had a common living area, common dining area, common laundry facilities, hallways, and more importantly, is what I was getting at. The landlord had the ability to restrict tenant access to certain areas, suspend cleaning services, assign dining locations, and even enter someone's apartment.
1: No soup for you.
0: Yeah, no soup for you. And so by doing that, to your point, maybe if a cop got their rules too much, too extreme, they'd be entering that world. So what I'm reading, though, is your traditional, and that's what they kept getting at here, your traditional landlord, no matter how egregious the tenant-on-tenant harassment is, is not going to be liable, absent control, and/or when they're, and they make a point in the case, when their deliberate indifference is so much so that they're actually intending the conduct to occur. Mm. Because it's all about intentional discrimination. But here's the second takeaway. What I read from the Seventh Circuit case is assisted living facilities, hospitals nursing homes dormitories maybe these people that are trying to get the we work you know we work is mm-hmm. in, in for office space but office space too and also in residential space they have exposure for tenant on tenant discrimination sure
1: what about all those 55 plus communities
0: i don't know morty what do you say
2: oh, i think that, i think that's interesting i think People, those uh, those communities might be looking at this and saying, okay, how can we assert less control so we're not liable for tenant-on-tenant tenant harassment?
0: And it's interesting you bring that up because this case had three pages, Lauren, three full pages dedicated to if they didn't rule this way, what it would have done to the industry. And it said how much more cost tenants would have. Why would tenants have more costs if a landlord was liable? First of all, they were going to have to have policies and procedures. Because if you have if a little control makes you responsible, you might as well have tons of control. And right. then and then they mm-hmm. said you're going to have to hire security guards. And who do you think's going to pay for all of this stuff? Your
1: common charges now went up seventy five percent.
0: So, the Leapcast. We could have talked to you guys this week. We could have said to you, hey, you know what? The Supreme Court just had a famous case, and they said that we now make decisions even when the dom- damages are nothing, nominal damages which gives you a declaration of who's right or who's wrong, which never was allowed in federal court before. We could have come in here and we could have said, hey, let me tell you about the CLE, the continuing legal education that I'm teaching, Andrew, for the NASA Bar next week, and the course I'm doing for the Property Manager Association. We could have talked in about, you know what? There's a bipartisan background checked act of 2021 H.R. 8, and how is that going to affect these shootings and what's going on with the fights as I brought up before. But what we want to talk to you on the LeapCast is how current events impact real estate and business. And nothing's more important this week than understanding that landlords are not liable under the Fair Housing Act for tenant-on-tenant discrimination. This is the LeapCast. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Find us on social media at Listen to Lieb or visit ListenToLieb.com.